People are crying out for fish all around the country. There's a gold mine to be had in London if you want to get off your ass and go and meet a fishmonger. I don't think it could be allowed to stand that we don't have support for the English food. Uh, fishing businesses have to be in a position to bounce back when this uh, health emergency is over. We're doing absolutely everything we can do at the centre, but there's a lot that can be done uh, in the ports with your local MPs to make sure that they understand the concerns. Good day to all the Fathom listeners out there coming in from our offices just behind the Newland Fish Market. It's a stunning spring morning out there. And we're now a few weeks into this COVID-19 response series. So hoping you're enjoying the weekly Fathom updates. As always, we're here to bring you real life, authentic conversations from a diverse range of players from all parts of the fishing industry. We aim to dig in and get underneath the current issues as well as maintain our efforts in demystifying any complexities going on out there. And there sure are a few to cover as we ride through this current crisis. This week's episode, we bring two guests to the show, sharing both the voices of those still at sea catching, landing and selling, as well as those working at a national and a political level. Our first guest, Andrew Stevens, a great ambassador for the direct selling community and one of the original Directly Fish members. I first met Andrew back in 2013 and have since followed his direct selling journey with great interest. I'm really grateful for Andrew coming on as a guest to the podcast to discuss his experiences and offering advice for anyone else out there looking to set up as a direct seller as a way through this current crisis and on into the future. Then coming in at a national and political level, Paul caught up with Barry Dees of the NFFO to gain an insight into what they're doing at a top level to ensure that the government are aware of the immediate impacts on the industry, as well as where they need to intervene in order to support the industry with a bespoke package to get through these uncharted waters. So kicking off with Andrew Stevens, let's get into it. So we've got Andrew Stevens, skipper owner of the Benediction, 20-foot pilot working out of Newlyn, targeting lobsters and a bit of whitefish throughout the year. A lot of listeners may, may have heard of him or seen him on Twitter under his Twitter handle of at Cornish underscore lobster. He's been direct selling for since long before the coronavirus and I'm sure will be around long after the coronavirus. So we thought it'd be useful to have a chat with Andrew, get a bit of insight into, into direct selling for the long term rather than the short term. You know, of, of your setup, where you came from, and what you what you're up to. Well, initially, four of us set up with directly fish, two or three have dropped out, and I thought, well, I'm not going to let this opportunity sink. So I went and seen two or three customers. I now, over the years, all I do is sell directly to Sue at Camberley, passionate about fish, and we've got a brilliant relationship. Yeah, it's not, e- or it wasn't easy. It is now. It's a doddle now. But before, uh, people were saying, oh, the fish prices are rubbish. Well, it's the usual supply and demand sort of stuff. If there's no fish, people will pay big money. If there isn't any, if there's plenty of fish, down go the prices. Surely instead of the fishing roller coaster, if you had, if everybody's happy and has a good price, which I am, I have now. Sue, I speak to her, she has lobsters off me every week. She knows what she's getting. But during this coronavirus, now all of a sudden the processors are out of the equation. So you have to look after yourself. There's a gold mine to be had in London if you want to get off your ass and go and meet a fishmonger, set up a relationship. As long as you're prepared to put in the effort and 
to supply him all the time. He knows where he is and you know where you are. It's okay, oh, there's, we'll, we'll supply a bit of fish and then all of a sudden there's a bonanza on something else so you drop back and run off. That, that doesn't work. So you have to put the effort in. I think that's a really good point. What you said is, is getting to know your customer as well. It's the effort that you put in, making the effort to go up to Sue's shop, stand on the, on the front of the counter there, meet the customers. You know, your, your relationship goes much further than just a transaction. It's not just a, a payment. It's built on a lot of trust. Well, everybody wants, in this day and age, everybody wants to know where the fish comes from. And because I do what I do, they know that I catch it. They're happy to have a chat. Um, provenance for the fish is a big thing now. The thing to recognise with, with what you're doing, Andrew, is that this is something that started before, will go on through and will go on after the coronavirus. And as you say, there's a lot, there's a lot more interest in direct selling at the moment. People are popping up all over the place. Um, we've, we've given some guidance to direct selling, but it won't be for everyone. Um, and I think um, what, what you described is, is, a, is, is a lot of effort goes in, um, knowing your customer, and being prepared to go the extra mile for for that customer, which is all important stuff and, and takes you right through it. But it, it's it's part of the fish selling world. It's not the only way of doing it. So I think that that, that for me is, is, is really important that, that people, particularly shellfish at the moment, see another alternative to, to, to whatever market they may or may not have had. Have you got sort of a top three tips to selling uh, directly? And then, is there a couple of pitfalls or traps that people should look to avoid? Well, not so much pitfalls, but you have to toe the line as regards to all the health side of it nowadays. We have our store checked by the environmental people. You have to have hot and cold water. You have to have this sanitizer, which we conform to anyway. I don't send anything to Sue that I wouldn't eat myself. And if it doesn't look any good, don't send it. I like for her, because she, she has a board of, and quite often people come into her shop and ask her, have I caught anything? Because I can catch cod today, pack it this afternoon and it's on her shelf within 20 hours. It's pristine stuff. And that's what her customers and she likes. And it sells big time. But saying, you know, if you put anything in a box, you think, oh, I, I wouldn't eat that. Don't do it, you know. You've got to go the extra mile. You have to have, your, your fish has to be perfect. When you're out at sea, well, I, if, I, what, if I'm doing any fish, it's slush iced, out the net, straight in the bin. Cool. And just to extend on that a little bit, is there any sort of, what's your recommendation? Obviously, you've got a store... Is there any sort of equipment that you recommend people, just, just some very basic, you know, like Paul said, some top tips. Is there anything out there that yeah. people should have on, on their boat or on the land ready to make on sure that quality is On there? the land, a fish fridge is brilliant. Yeah, you can slush ice it, but bring it in, clean it all off, bag it up or whatever, a bit of ice in the fish fridge, and it is ready to go tomorrow. And it is brilliant. I didn't think too much about a fish fridge, but Lewis said, oh, let's get a fish fridge, and we got one, and no, it is brilliant, mm. you know? We've yeah. got our own little ice machine and one another, but keeping everything cool and in good quality is what, what you need to do, really. Yeah, you know, for, for, for me, you know, I, 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 I hear some, some, some key points, and one is um, be proud of what you're catching, look after it, quality is key, 
Um, know your customer, understand what they want and what you can deliver to them. A bit of trust and loyalty in that relationship will make direct selling work. And, and be prepared to put a bit of effort and a bit of graft in, go the extra mile. They seem the, the three sort of key virtues of a, of a direct selling fisherman. Make sure um, health and hygiene is, is taken care of and done properly and to conform with all the regulation. And obviously make sure you conform with all the buyers and sellers regulation. Yeah, I, like I say, I have a buyers and sellers license. Yeah. To be honest, this coronavirus has made it awkward for a lot of people. And all of a sudden, people think, oh, I'm going to jump on this bandwagon, selling fish. Well, there's more to it than that. But once you get into it, once you get set up, you don't have to work so hard. Mm. As, you know, you could go to sea a day less and then spend a day packing and sending your fish and you'll make just as much money, if not more. You know, so the fishing effort will be less, but your financial effort will be better. People are crying out for fish all around the country. So it still needs to be got to the fishmongers, to be honest. So now shifting away from the quayside and moving towards a more political and national level, over to Paul and Barry Dees from the NFFO. Okay, um, right, so we've got Barry Dees from the NFFO joining us the, this afternoon. Um, thought it'd be a good idea to check in with the NFFO to hear what's going on at a national level. We're all quite aware of, I guess, what we're doing in our own regions and and uh, and locally, but just good to get that overview now and again. So I'm not going to take up any more time with with small talk. I think Barry, if you want to just give give the listeners a bit of a flavour of what the NFFO are doing and and progress or otherwise how you view it. Okay, uh, thanks, Paul, and thanks for inviting me on to uh, the Fathom podcast. Um, so there's been um, a lot of discussion with government about the corona crisis, its uh, economic consequences, uh, and what, what we can do about it. Um, I think that uh, DEFRA and the MMO understand completely uh, the seriousness of the, of the situation for many parts of, of the fleet where the markets have, have closed down, uh, vessels have tied up or are facing uh, very much, uh, v- very constrained markets and, and low prices. So I think the first thing, uh, our, our first objective has been uh, secured, which is to make sure that government understands what's happening at vessel level, at port level. Then there's been a, um, quite extensive discussions about what, uh, what to do. Uh, and of course, we've had these very extensive uh, packages of support announced by the government. The, the, the big thing for uh, the fishing industry is um, that these are very broad brush packages and in many cases don't fit with the fishing industry. So our, our first tactical objective was to get support for self-employed share fishermen. And, and indeed that's come along, although at the top and at the bottom, because of the way that earnings have been recorded in the past, there, there are problems and we've flagged those up. The biggest outstanding gap in the government support is for fishing vessels uh, who face ongoing fixed costs uh, like insurance, harbour dues, equipment rentals. So they've got those ongoing costs month after month uh, and, and no income or reduced income to cover them. Now that represents, um, and it's very clear for everyone to see it, uh, a major problem that's coming up. You know, th- this is an existential threat. You know, ves- vessel businesses 
uh, can can go go out of business. So um, that that has been the main thrust. I think that is understood um, by DEFRA and the MMO, and uh, the case has been made to Treasury, and that's where we are now. We're waiting for a response from from Treasury. But I don't think we can just uh, sit on our hands and wait for. Uh, something to happen for a decision to emerge from Treasury. So we are ramping up the political pressure. Uh, we're getting the MPs to ask the right questions of the Treasury ministers, of the Chancellor. Um, we're looking for uh, support, cross-party support, first of all, to understand the problems and the seriousness of the problems facing fishing, uh, to get them to understand that the broad brush schemes don't work for fishing, and to support a bespoke support package, financial package. There's lots of things going on on the fringes, but this is the core. This is the absolutely essential objective. We, we must get support for uh, the, the, the fishing businesses that are, are now struggling and face an extended period in which uh, there, will, there are no earnings um, or very reduced earnings. Now, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, even the Isle of Man have, have recognized this and put into place support packages of exactly the type that we're, we're looking for. It cannot be allowed that the English fleet will, be, will not have that support. The, the consequences will be so serious and it's just, just plain unfair. So it's getting government at the very, very highest level to understand that, um, that, that we're focusing all our uh, efforts on at the moment. I think that's the positive summary there and of what the NFO is doing. And I think it's good for people to understand that even though the NFO is not always visible, it is working extremely hard at that national policy level to, to try and secure stuff for, for those who need it. Um, just wondering what your thoughts are, you know, in, the, in perhaps what, what will be perceived as the, the, the slowness in the response from the UK government for English fishermen while other devolved administrations, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, have come forward swiftly with bespoke packages for their, their fleets. Um, th does that mean that, that Scottish fishermen are more important to the devolved in Scotland? I think that um, you know, clearly fishermen in England are, are just as exposed as, as anybody uh, to the economic consequences of this crisis. So it would be extremely um, unfair if we didn't have parity with the, the other administrations in, in the UK. I don't think uh, that the problem lies uh, at, at the DEFRA MMO level. I think that they are making the case to Treasury. My own feeling is that the Treasury will be hesitant for one reason, which is the precedent that it might set. The, the consequences are being felt very early on in fishing. I mean, uh, for example, shellfish was hit very bad early on because of the, the dependence on the market in China that's grown up for, for the likes of crab. Um, then the uh, nephrops, the prawn sector, has been hit by export markets, and then, of course, the, re the restaurant trade. So the effects are being felt just the same, if not worse, in, in England. I think it's the precedent, the worry that uh, garden centres, dairy farmers, etc., will will be uh, in the queue after us, um, and and that that's a consideration for for Treasury. But that cannot be allowed to get in the way of uh, a package for the fishing industry. 
um, a bespoke package is uh, would would be limited in in terms of overall cost. But it, it's absolutely essential if we are to have a, a fleet at the end of it. The whole focus and in our discussions with DEFRA, it's been a shared goal, is that uh, fishing businesses have to be in a position to bounce back when this uh, health emergency is over. They have to be uh, in, in, in a position where they, they can recover and take advantage uh, and rebuild. Uh, now, they're not going to be able to do that if in the meantime they've been allowed to go under. So we can understand there are very big amounts of money being spent it would be absolutely unacceptable if the English fleet out of all the fleets in the UK didn't get this level of support. These are the, um, these are the messages that we're asking all coastal MPs to uh, make sure are heard in the, in the corridors of power, uh, directly with the Chancellor uh, and through other ministers uh, and, and cross-party. So there's a big effort going on uh, to, to say that the consequences would be dire, it would be grossly unfair, and there'll be political consequences that will fall out, uh, uh, fall out of it. So um, I, I completely accept uh, the premise of what you're saying, but I don't think it could be allowed to stand that we don't have support for the English fleet. Well, that's an invaluable insight there, and, and I think you've uh, illuminated and illustrated there the, the strategy and efforts of the NFFO at policy level and, and cleared up a few perhaps perceptions there that, that, that DEFRA weren't, that weren't there with us. But it's good to hear your, your, your feeling, your view is it's, it's DEFRA support, DEFRA and us are as one, and we're going to look to secure something. So um, again, I guess um, that, that campaign, that pressure on MPs is something that all the people listening to this can do um, and push again uh, MPs to put pressure on the Treasury to recognise the fishing industry. We're doing absolutely everything we can do at the centre, but there's a lot that can be done uh, in the ports with your local MPs to make sure that they understand the concerns uh, and the, the briefing paper can be can be used. So um, the briefing paper has been circulated to all uh, NFFO constituent organisations, uh, but we'll, we'll put it up on the website as well to make sure that uh, it's, it's fully understood. That's, that's good advice, Barry. And, and we, we here at the CFPO um, have, have written to all of our Cornish MPs um, using the NFFO briefing note um, to put that pressure on. So um, good, work, good work from the National Federation there, um, representing people across the country. Um, Barry, it's not often, um, well, first time or second time on the, on this podcast, and it's um, obviously at the moment we're all focused on the, the, the coronavirus and, and reaction to that. Um, absolutely brilliant for you to take time out to give us that, um, that thumbnail sketch of where the NFO is at. And for me, um, once again, NFFO um, displaying, proving what it's there for in times of crisis when the industry needs it doing the, the hard yards in the, the policy and national level. So um, that, that's obviously appreciated. While we've got you here, and, and, and I kind of asked this of, of several of our guests now, but once we're through this, um, this initial um, crisis period, perhaps you, you know, you, you'd be able to make a bit of time to come back again. Um, we'll get some questions and views from, from listeners and, uh, and our membership and put them, maybe put them to you in a broader context of what the NFFO is, what it does and, and, and where it's going. So um, thanks for, 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 for taking time to give us that uh, important insight into top level work that the Federation's doing. And um, 
please come back again and, and spend a bit more time talking about what it is the NFO does and why it is so important. Well, thanks, Paul, and thanks for your support. I'll be very, very happy to come back there. There are so many issues that uh, we need to deal with, um, uh, aside from the coronavirus. Um, don't forget that this Brexit is, is unfinished in terms of securing um, a, a deal that would work for our fishermen. So I'd be very happy to come back and talk to you about that. Look forward to having you back on uh, Fathom soon, Barry Dees. Thanks very much, and uh, back to the grindstone for you. Really useful there having two two guests on this week's podcast, uh, sharing the sort of different scales of the industry and where people are intervening at different levels. You've got Andrew there, obviously out there catching and selling direct, and then brilliant to have Barry involved on a, a, from a national point. Uh, just just always good to catch some of your concluding thoughts after hearing those two conversations. Yeah, I mean, I think um, as you say, Randy, you know, it's almost uh, the both ends of both ends of the the industry. There, we kind of what was the, what's been the reaction on the key side? We got the the long-standing stalwart of direct selling there with Andrew Stevens, um, been around before, through and beyond um, this virus. What an excellent insight there into having a successful direct selling sort of business, which can only be complementary to the existing network of of markets, um, merchants and processes we've got. So um, absolutely fantastic and sound advice there. And then we switched it up to um, almost national policy level stuff there with Barry and uh, uh, always good to get a bit of um, a peek behind the curtain there and understand what the NF- NFFO are doing on behalf of fishermen on the coast because it's not always visible. But I thought Barry articulated really well there um, the objectives, um, what they're doing and how they hope to secure those objectives. So, yeah, I think um, uh, good, a, a good session there and, and really interesting stuff. And I hope people listening thought it was interesting. So, um, yeah, really good. Um, I guess uh, on, on today's episode, that was kind of it. But um, I'd just like to remind people that um, if you haven't already listened to it, the previous episode of Fathom, we had Tom McCormack from the head man of the MMO on. And uh, what was a really another interesting insight, I thought, into the, the vision of the, that organisation. But what would be really interesting is to get some feedback from those experiencing the, um, the MMO at the moment. So we are going to have him back on. So um, any experiences, good or bad, with, with the MMO or, or DEF or anyone for that matter, then get hold of us, usual um, social media channels or give me a ring or come into the P office or that sort of stuff, just so we um, um, get, get a bit of stuff to come back from, from the grassroots. Always good to hear. And, and I will, I'm not afraid to put those questions to these people and we'll make sure we, we hold them to account on here. So, yep, yeah, I'd say in, in summary, another, another good session here on the Fathom Podcast. Thanks, Rani and co. Um, and same time next week. Fathom has been brought to you by the Cornish Fish Producers Organisation with support from the European Maritime and Fisheries Fund and Seafarers UK.